Well, it's such a pleasure having you listening to this podcast today. I'm so glad I can share the Word of God in so many different ways. And it's such a, such a joy to know that it has an impact in people's lives. Many times people are writing to us, telling us how they were inspired or how they had a need met in their life. And even, even some people finding they get healed as we pray for them, as we believe together with them. And I'm praying for you and believing with you that your dreams and your prayers and your desires will come to pass in God's way in your life. And I'm believing for Christ to draw close to you and you to find a new, fresh day of relationship with Him. Just before I uh, get into my message, I wanted to uh, give several backstories to why we are talking about this. And one of them uh, is actually to do with myself. And uh, just to let you know, I, I'm, I'm really not going to be preaching this message, if you like. I'll be talking my way through it simply because uh, I feel that's how the Lord would like me to, to go with this. Uh, and I don't find that all that easy, to tell you the truth. If I get nervous, it's when I am going to just talk things through and, and we're going to have a time where we uh, you know, get a little more vulnerable and, uh, and open and uh, I'm not easily given to that. I don't think any, anybody is. But uh, uh, then I think that uh, we can actually discover a whole lot more about, about God when, when uh, we're able to reveal uh, those sort of, those sort of more intimate, uh, close connections that we have with him. But one of the things that uh, God has always given me personally and our family uh, since we've been in Sydney is uh, intercessors, people who pray in the background of our lives. And uh, when we first came here, a woman who was about, seemed very old to me then, she was probably about 75, 80, she doesn't seem so old now, uh, just a youngster. And, uh, but she sat down the back when we only had 30 people. She had platinum white hair, really big, thick Coca-Cola bottle glasses on. And, her, and uh, she said, the Lord has sent me here to be your grandmother. I thought, well, that's kind of unusual. I'm not sure what I meant to say back to that. But she said, I've been called here to pray for you. And uh, so I'm going to sit down the back and pray for you. And she did. She prayed for us. Well, uh, she passed away after a little while. It's a dangerous position to occupy this uh, place. And, uh, but I, actually, it was a few, maybe 10 years later. And, uh, but... Consistently, over, over the time, people have come to me and said, we feel called to pray for you. And I, I, I wanted to say this because it doesn't matter what time of life you are in. Do not think that your age disqualifies you from being of value to the kingdom of God. By thinking, well, I can't do much of it. You can pray. And possibly this would be one of the most powerful things anybody can do. And to feel that there are a band of people who pray for us and for me, uh, in the past few years, there's been others who haven't died, uh, which has been good. Uh, but this is a, um, you know, it's generally because these people are a little uh, on in years. There was Pearl, who didn't have the use of her legs, but she was one of the brightest souls I've ever known. I would go to visit her and feel like I'd gotten the visit after being with her. She would preach faith to me and tell me everything was going to be fine. And she was married to a gentleman called Pop who also prayed for me, but he died, I think, about 10 years before she did. And, uh, and there have been all these, these figures, Rita Chin in 
more uh, recent times. I'm not sure if Rita's here today. Uh, you are here, Rita. Oh, there you are, darling. Uh, and so I think there's a picture of the, the team who, uh, uh, you know, Yannick, the guy there is not my grandmother, uh, but um, who people who have picked up this burden to pray. And you can sign up for, to be part of the intercessors, the prayer group, the prayer team led by Heidi Wiseman. Uh, in this church, and there's a variety of people, Sue Pashley, who are involved, and they've been uh, faithful in that zone. And part of the reason we uh, see outward fruit and things happening is because there are people, there's a hidden life in this church, and I'm not given to talking about that sort of area too much. I, in Ezekiel, there is uh, those four creatures, uh, uh, living creatures, have four faces. And they have the face of an ox, lion, eagle, and a, and a man. And wherever they move, they moved in a, in a forward in a direction. And uh, they didn't move sideways or backwards. They moved forward. And always there was the face of a man at the front. The front face was the face of a man. Uh, and then there was a, at the side was the face of an ox, then a lion, and then an eagle at the back. And I think... Uh, We've got to figure that out in our own world sometimes uh, where I've met people who have got the, the lion's head full in front. You know, praise God, we're in victory. There's nothing going wrong. We're going to dominate dominion. And it's all like that. And uh, it can make you feel a little inadequate and, and overwhelmed. And often it isn't that real in their own lives anyway, trying to atone for a whole lot of defeat through a lot of noise. But it's, uh, it's like... That's not really the face that we're meant to be wearing. Or the, on the other hand, there's that face of the ox, the serving person. Says, I'm just here to serve. I'm a humble worm. I'm not worth anything. I'm just here to try and do something worthwhile. And, and, and trying to put on a, a kind of a, um, a, an aberration of what humility might be. But then the scariest one is that eagle face when people bring that eagle head around. And they're going, whoo, i just seen angels. And, uh, and, you know, I'm hearing from God. Oh, he's talking to me right now. What's that, Lord? Oh, yes, now here. And uh, that's, that's right, like, and our kind of world has had, in times long gone, kind of a history of uh, some fairly, you know, uh, I'd call it muesli congregation, nuts and fruit. And, you know, it's like, uh, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's kind of, uh, a little, little nervous. So I, I feel like that, that spiritual thing should be, you know, kind of a hidden part of our lives and the face of a man, humanity, and the ability to identify with other people needs to be at the front. But he, here today, I want to, I want to just, you know, talk a little bit about that Eagles area uh, in, in my own life and in the life of every believer as we start this Lord's Prayer uh, series. Uh, and I'd, I'd prefer to call it a season, I guess, because it's, it's more like something that will come upon us as a atmosphere, as a spirit. The spirit of prayer is spoken of in Zechariah. As we do this, I'd like to uh, urge you to get a hold of this book if you don't already have it. It's a book I wrote a number of years ago called If. And it's taken from 2 Chronicles 7.14 where it says, If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and that if is probably the biggest if in the world because we want God to do stuff for us, but he does it in response to prayer. He does it in response to us praying. And there's something about our flesh that does not want to pray. It, it, 
will find anything else to do other than to pray and study the Bible or go to church. And those disciplines are life changes. They're lifestyle changes that we need to make to keep our Christian life alive. Otherwise, we'll slowly die. And we'll find the things of this life that surround us more attractive. And we'll get an appetite for them. Because that, that will never go away. But your appetite for God increases the more you actually spend time with Him. That's a weird thing. That you get satisfied, but it's an unsatisfied satisfaction. You want more of what you are actually seeking after. And God is like that. It's not like you're hungry for God, you eat some of what God is into your life and the appetite goes away. It actually increases your desire. And uh, every one of us need to have a heart for God. We should have a desire to actually spend time with the Lord. When I first met the Lord, uh, I, I was excited. It was incredible, the novelty of a church that sang like this and all the stuff that, wow, I never knew it even existed. And here, suddenly, I'm involved and feeling fire and passion and purpose, something I never felt before. But uh, I found that people were talking about seeking God. And, and I didn't know what that meant. I really didn't know how you, you looked for an invisible person. If he's invisible, how can you find him? You're just forever seeking. And, and so I got, I got to be invited to a prayer meeting with a gentleman called Edward Miller, who'd been a missionary to Argentina. And I'd only been converted nine months. I was still about 19, 20 years old. And I somehow got in, included in this little group of pastors and leaders around town because a friend of mine called Peter Morrow had asked me to go. And this gentleman talked about how the Lord told him not to do the normal missionary thing, but to actually pray for eight hours a day. And as soon as, when he said eight hours, I, you know, I kind of gulped. And then he said, well, sometimes I would be praying up to 16 hours a day. So I was rapidly feeling less saved all the time. <laughs> but as he, as he spoke, I was, I was impacted. Because at the end of it, he said, after 18 months, a gentleman called Tommy Hicks came to the largest stadium in Argentina and there were up to 500,000, half a million people gathered and healings that trucks had to come in at the end of every meeting to take away all the wheelchairs and the crutches. The people have been just completely healed. You know, yeah, it was amazing. So, so I thought, you know what? I think I'll pray. And uh, I wanted to see the glory of God manifested like that. But then, you know, I, I thought, Lord, I can't, I can't do eight hours. That, that just seems like too hard. Maybe I could do three. So I thought, I'll, I'll have a go at three. I went home to my little study that I'd made in our house. I shut the door. It was a small room. And, uh, and I started to pray. And I prayed and I prayed. I prayed verbal with real enthusiasm. Prayed about everything I could think of. Oh, it's got to be the first hour. I looked at my watch, five minutes. Oh, God, this is awful. And the wall started coming in. The roof started coming down. I thought, oh, I'm in prison. This is really awful. And, uh, and, and I could hear people outside. I wanted to go out and you know, see what was going on. That I was stuck now. I'd made this commitment. 
I lasted about an hour, and then, you know, I just thought, oh, okay, went out, okay. So I, I continued, like, having this hunger for the Lord. And so I hitchhiked down to Mount Cook. I was living in Christchurch, New Zealand at the time. Hitchhiked down to Mount Cook on the foothills of Mount Cook. You can hire these little huts for $1.50 a night. That tells you how well equipped they were. And uh, they had nothing. It was just a hut. And uh, I went in there and uh, put my stuff down. I went out on the foothills and I thought, nobody can hear me here. Nobody can see me. I can be as crazy as I like. So I just yelled out to God. I said, God, where are you? I'm looking for you. I don't know how to see God. So I looked behind bushes. I said, are you there? I lifted up rocks. Are you under there? I didn't know where, you know, what, where he was or what. It, and as I'm doing this, suddenly I knew he was there. And I was now nervy because I'm standing on this hill yelling and screaming, now he's here. He's decided to come and, and just be here at my right hand. And I'm standing there and I, I didn't know what to say then. So uh, I said, hello, God. Uh, I like you. Uh, thank you. All the stuff you've done for me, it's good. I like it. You're good. No, no, you're good. And then I didn't know what to say anymore. All my prayers had disappeared. But I liked this feeling. I fell in love with God that day. I thought, this is just incredible. And then it kind of broke, you know, you're like, I think, wow, it was, felt like five minutes. I look at my watch, one hour. And that was my aha moment. The prayer isn't about prayer. I mean, it is about the force of prayer, but its roots are in relationship. So that God began to mean more to me than answers to my prayer. And I realized that When the Bible says, if you will seek my face, that that is vastly different to seeking his hand. And if I can realize that the most incredible thing about God is God himself, not what he does for me, then I will move on from a a self-centered consumeristic Christianity to the kind that Jesus was trying to draw us into with the Lord's Prayer. And you know, the quest of the Apostle Paul said, there's nothing in the whole world that I want that competes with my pursuit of Jesus, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. This was the original intention that the Father had to have communion with you. That's why he let his son get killed. The only son he had 
didn't have three sons, only had one, and it was the delight of his life. He let him be put to utter shame to take away all of our iniquities and things that distance us from himself. Why? So that we could draw near to him. And why we get frustrated with all the things that are not deep, kind of surfacy in our lives. We're saying, God, I want the new car. He's aching for something a lot deeper than just putting a new car in your garage. And you will find that there are times when the car doesn't come. The sickness isn't healed. Or even worse, that a person passes away. And it doesn't work out like you wanted it. If we have a relationship with the Father and we really genuinely enter into a communion with God himself, this isn't like an imaginary, you know, like when you're kids, you have imaginary play friends. Well, I had a lot because nobody would play with me. But, you know, it's like, that's not true. But, you know, you're like, you're talking, write letters. God is, God is actual. God is something. He's here. God is, God is in the world today. And you can fellowship with him. John said, look, the reason I'm writing this stuff to you is that you'll have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father. And this is the original intention right from day one that God had. That you and I would walk with him in the cool of the day like Adam and Eve. And if you can discover Jesus and start abiding in the vine, have that connection with him, you'll find bearing fruit for God an effortless rhythm of grace. It's not a push. It's not a hard thing. It easily comes because the sap of Christ is running in your soul. There's no other way to get close to him and to actually melt in his presence, you know. To come before the Lord and let him touch you. All the stuff that we look for, some of the healings, some of the circumstances, they'll easily fall into line. And if they don't, you'll navigate the situation easily. Because once Christ means more to you than anything else, everything else falls into order. But it's going to only exist out of order in a clumsy, awkward manner in our lives. And we're constantly stumbling in our rough paths simply because we haven't made Jesus the center of our universe. And that's how God has made him. He is the preeminent in all things. He's before all things. He is the consummation of all things. In him is the entire Godhead bodily on earth. Christ is the center. And when we orbit him, instead of trying to get God to orbit us, we're going to find ourselves in the, in the righteous, in the, the glorious order of God. And it's only because, not because you have little value that he wants to be first in your life. It's because you have immense value. And he knows that that way is going to be the way that it all works for you. So let's go to our Father in heaven. And this... This part of 
this scripture is in response to the disciples saying to Jesus, how, how do you pray? They realized that all of his teaching, preaching, healing, and setting people free was because of a prayer life. They didn't say, teach us how to preach. They didn't say, teach us how to heal the sick. They said, could you teach us how to pray? That's the only thing they asked him to teach them. And he was happy to comply. He said, in this manner. Now, the manner, in my mind, is two things. It's the attitude and it's the pattern. It's the system. It's the system. But you need to understand that I know that many of us have simply mindlessly recited the Lord's Prayer in all sorts of religious gatherings. And, and, and even when we're kids at school, we you know, made fun of this prayer. Harold is your name. I mean, it was uh, the silly things that you do when you don't understand that you're actually connecting with the Father. But for us to imagine that by simply going, right across it is actually going to achieve something because we're just saying the words has reduced us to being superstitious that chanting something is going to it's God isn't looking for those sorts of recitations only I mean in within those moments I can I can discover the reality my own personal self because I have that relationship but it would be foolish for us to think that just saying these words is somehow magic this is a pattern and it's an attitude and the, the attitude is unbelievably bold. Understand boldness is not necessarily loudness. Boldness is an attitude on the inside of you that approaches God regardless of how your situation has been. And the ability to come to God and say, it isn't like the, the pathetic pleadings of, of, a, of a supplicant who's feeling totally unworthy. Going like, oh God, is there a chance? Could you please? I don't know. Maybe, maybe you could just, you know, your kingdom could come. Oh God, is there a, could you give me a little crumb of bread? That is not how Jesus is saying, pray this prayer. He's saying, your will be done. Your kingdom come. You have authority and you should prophesy your prayers. Give us today our daily bread. Don't leave me into temptation. Deliver me from evil. It's a bold, bold prayer. And so Jesus is saying, don't be timid when you come before God. The Hebrew writer says, come boldly before the throne of grace that you might obtain grace to help in time of need. Boldness is the child of faith. And when you've got faith inside of you, you'll come before God knowing that you're standing on new covenant ground. And David managed to leapfrog out of the Old Testament into the New Testament, understanding that God wanted relationship. And within that relationship, you could be face-to-face -face bold with God. And he would remind God of promises. He would say, God, you've forgotten me. Do not forget me. Come quickly to my aid. Crush my enemies, all this sort of thing. And so he had no hesitation in a bold relationship with God. And so coming back into the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus takes us into a pattern. And the first three requests are to do with God himself. To remove us from being at the center of our prayer life. So we don't go, God, God, hi, God, God bless you, good, you know, well, not God bless you, whatever we say. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Lord, can you please fix this situation up for me? The first three things are your kingdom come, your will be done, and hallowed be thy name. It's all about, I want your purposes more than mine. I'm going to establish that your agenda is more important than mine. 
And once we get that, once we deal a death blow to that self on the inside that wants to get in on the act, and we, we look for that. It, it's a little distasteful to die, obviously, in, while we're still alive, but to let our dreams go, to let our agenda go and say, your agenda, let it be done on earth. Your culture, let it come to earth. The first word in this starts me on four, four points that I want to make. The word our. I call that agreement. The next is Abba. The next, not the group. The next is atmosphere. And the last is adoration. Four A's. Agreement, Abba, atmosphere, adoration. Agreement <clears throat> means that I'm coming to the Lord not with my God, but with our. And that's how Jesus said, this prayer cannot be prayed on your own. And, and even if you are praying on your own, you're including the heart and the feelings and the circumstances of all your family around you and your brothers and sisters. You say, our Father. He said, this is how you pray. Don't pray my Father. Pray our Father. That means I've got to be in agreement. And the place of agreement is the place of power. The devil will always try and disrupt the unity of the saints, creating divisions or offenses and disagreements, simply because that reduces the level of power that we have in unity. And when we can say, our Father, we've actually entered into a place of immense, immense authority. Here's the thing. Jesus says, look, if you come uh, to, to the altar, and you remember that there's some problem going on. In Matthew 5, 24, first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Well, I've found that sometimes people don't want to be reconciled. And so I said to the Lord, what's, what's that about? He says, well, as long as you do what you can do and you're not in disagreement in your heart with them, you're good. Their response is up to them. When I met the Lord, I wrote to my parents and I said, uh, I'm sorry for being such an idiot when I was a teenager. And uh, I don't know, I can't even remember what response I got. But, uh, but uh, as far as I was concerned, I had done that. Now, I left home when I was 16 because it was like a war zone. It was just horrifically filled with strife. And I could have written them and said, Look, but you know, you got to understand the reason I was an idiot is because you guys were so dysfunctional. And I could have written that, but that's not, what you, that's not how you write an apology. You just fess up to your part. And let, let the chips fall. And you know, uh, I know people who's 70 years of age and still got father issues. And the father's passed on. You know, it could be a good idea to write him a letter. I, you know, don't, no, don't, don't quote me. Oh, Pastor Paul wants us to talk to the dead now. No, I don't. <laughs> it's not ancestor worship or anything like that. Just for your own sake, just to write the letter. Post it nowhere. And... Uh, just to get over those things that are unreconciled within, within your life. Uh, and, and Jesus has reduced that agreement down to the barest minimum too. That's what you need to understand. In Matthew 18, 19, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything I ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Just two. And, uh, he knew how challenging it is for us to get along. So he said, look, if, if just two of you can... Please, if just two, if you get two together, agree, it's going to work. So there is a really 
great opportunity to come into that our Father. <clears throat> the, word, the word Father, uh, Abba, actually, before I go on to that, there's another, there is another statement in here, 1 Peter 3, 7, on agreement. And this is kind of an unfair scripture. I'm not sure I like it much. Uh, but it says, uh, husbands, if you don't treat her as you would, your prayers won't be heard. How unfair is that? In 42 years, you know, you've got to, I've been married 42 years. I couldn't say that every day has been like, we've been in full agreement. There was, there was a couple, uh, you know, but no, we, we, we have, we have, you know, a harmonious marriage in our dreams. And, uh, <laughs> she's not here. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> we have, you know, if anybody can talk like this about their marriage, things are okay. So when everybody's saying, oh yeah, we have wonderful, we have nothing, we have a problem. I said, well, you can't help anybody else because everybody faces those difficulties in their life. But the Lord's saying, hey, look, treat her right. I'm not listening until you get that together. I go, God, you know, that's manipulative. It's, it's manipulation. He says, yeah, and what's your problem? <laughs> so I got to meet conditions for things to happen. He's, mm-hmm. So what happened to unconditional love? Mm, doesn't exist. You know, this is, this is a condition. It does exist. But, you know, there's a lot of things that our modern thinking that we want to overlay on Scripture. But he's saying, come on, heal up. Say sorry. Oh, it's so hard, isn't it, in marriage? Who's going to say it first? You're holding out. You're lying on the side of your bed. Your hand's touching the ground. You're pretending to be asleep. You're not asleep. You've been awake for three hours, fuming, you know? Say sorry. Oh, look, I'm an idiot. Sorry. But you don't say that. But you, no, you don't go to the but you. Just say, reconcile. There's power in that. Our father, we go to father. Abba is the word Jewish children will use for their father even today. Jesus said, pray our father, not our God, our almighty one, our Lord, our father. That means we're in family. It means I'm born of God. It means I'm in his house. Fathers have a house. and We're praying our father. We could do that Tuesday night, seven o'clock here together in a really powerful moment. I'd love to have this place jammed out with our members crying out to God and visitors as well. Our father. The next, the next thing is, is atmosphere. Our Father who is in heaven. And uh, man, I would love to just stand here talking for a couple of hours on this. Uh, but we do that in Bible college. That's why we have a Bible college because we can talk about a whole range of areas that are a little deeper. And generally on Sundays, we don't kind of go for a, a Bible study. It's more like a preaching a, good news and helping lives along. But in college, I, I would talk at this moment about the three veils into the Holy of Holies. And on the outside is the brass altar, big bath of water, and you go through the first veil and you're suddenly in a candlestick, fresh bread and incense of worship. So it smells like bread mixed with frankincense and myrrh. And, and then the light is the candle, candlestick. It's not natural light. You're in, a, you're in another level of consciousness and then boom, at worship, you go into the very presence of God, where the glory is the light in that final holy of holies. But 
Here's the thing. The simple message is that you will find in prayer, you move into a place where you are in the Spirit. And when you are in the Spirit, you will pray the prayers that God is placing in your heart. Romans 8.26 says, we don't know how we should pray as we, as we should, but the Holy Spirit does. And He will inspire prayers through us. As we get ourselves into the Spirit, too many of us just pray in our mind. Kind of go, God, I just pray that this will you know, happen. But to pray in the Spirit is to go to a place where suddenly the fountains of the deep are broken up on the inside of you. And you feel the rivers of prayer and of life flowing through your heart. You move into heaven, our Father who is in heaven. And the last point is adoration. Hallowed be thy name. We live in a world that blasphemes the name of God. And I know you're thinking, oh yeah, well that swear word is, you know, it's distasteful. It's a lot deeper than that. It's, it's the attitude of, of so many of, the, of, of our world that we live in that God is not good. Catastrophes are tagged acts of God. When things go right, people credit themselves. When things go wrong, they blame God. Why didn't God stop that? If he loves. So this goes on and on. It's been going on since the Garden of Eden where the one who wanted to be God and was cast out of heaven for it, puts the same temptation to all of you and I. You would then be like God if you eat of this fruit. He's told you you can't have everything. Yeah, he's like that. A wet blanket, the divine wet blanket, the heavenly killjoy. Stops you having anything you want to have. This maligning of the reputation of God is something the devil tries to foist on all of our thinking all the time that, God's this grumpy guy in the heavens out to hit you as soon as you've done anything wrong. And that is why every week you will hear us proclaiming how God is good, has mercy endures forever, because we are counteracting this blasphemy, this thing that tries to not hallow the reputation of God. But if we say this guy's got a good name, it's because he's credible, he's honest, he's got integrity, he pays his bills, he arrives on time, he can be relied on. That's a good name in the community. Well, God has a good name in the universe. And there is a force at work trying to sully it every day with people's views of God. But you need to know that part of our first prayer, the first prayer is that reputation of God, that he is good, glorious, magnificent, awesome, and that we are here to worship him as the first step into being a child of God in prayer to the our Father who art in heaven, sacred, revered, honored, respected be your name. And that's our calling, our high purpose in this life, to make the name of Jesus magnificent. As I come to a close here, uh, you know, uh, some of you may, may never have actually had this relationship that I'm talking about. With God, you may have even had a religious background, but you might have felt like, well, I'm a Christian because I come from a Christian environment. <clears throat> but that actually doesn't, make us uh, a Christian, Christ in us. And having that relationship with Jesus is the most deeply, purposefully satisfying event that any of us can have in our lives. So in a couple moments, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand when we all got our eyes closed. If you'd like to pray a prayer with me and say, I want to have Christ come into my life. Or if you've been away from God, it's your time to come back. That time is now. I want you also to raise your hand. Don't be embarrassed. 
you're amongst friends, but more importantly, recognize that you're actually here in the Father's house. And He aches to have that relationship with you. So if you're here today and you're saying, well, I've never prayed a prayer that says, God, come into my life. I'd like to have that, that relationship with you. Or if you've been away from God and you need to come back, that's you, please. When I ask, raise your hand. Well, thanks so much for logging on and downloading a podcast. It's such a pleasure to share the Word of God with you. And I'm praying that it has a really helpful, impacting effect on you and your life and your family and all your circumstances. Every weekend in our church in Sydney here at Oxford Falls, we have many. So if you're unable to be with us in Sydney, uh, you can join us online. All of our 10 o'clock and 6 p.m. services are live streamed. And that's at myc3church.net.